Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Simon Bykowski. Hello. And by Tyra Marshall. Hello. And a good win for City at the weekend. We're recording this on the Thursday, so it's almost hard to go back and recollect that game at Villa Park. Tyrone, you had the pleasure of going to the uh, the Midlands to watch it. Uh, Aguero taking the headlines you expect. Mara is impressive as well, but uh, a real sort of statement attempt from City. I, I thought personally going to the gate could be a tricky one, but City absolutely blitzed Villa, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did. I, I wasn't sure it'd be a tricky one, but the thing with City this season and towards the back in the last season, uh, from the halfway point of last season, when they lose games, they're coming out of nowhere. They're often on good winning runs and then throw in a mad one and lose to Newcastle or Wolves so it is kind of difficult to predict when that next moment's going to happen so you go to these games like at Villa Park and you think it should be routine for City but in the back of your mind is that there's these defeats that, that they've had are coming out of nowhere so there's always that on the back of your mind but within 15 minutes I thought it was a quiet first 15 minutes but it was pretty clear there that Villa had nothing that could possibly hurt City they were completely toothless in attack and then for the next 20 minutes they threw in one of the most abysmal midfield and defensive performances the Premier League's probably ever seen and City took full advantage and from then on it was it was one-way track if traffic and uh, City were absolutely ruthless played really well they, they were brilliant going forward created a lot of chances could have had a lot more than than six goals and it was it was remarkably routine really so it was like watching that 100 point season again wasn't it really probably the last two seasons really City just turning up and absolutely destroying their opponents yeah kind of yeah I mean on, on the day they are the most devastating team in the league when it clicks no one can handle them you, you don't get a trophy for that which is why they're probably not going to win the league but you know there there are some big mismatches in the league and especially when City get going it's just hard to hard to stop them you kind of felt for Villa you kind of wanted to sort of chuck the towel in at half time and say let's just call it 6-0 and all go home or something like that but yeah City are a very good football team it turns out do you blame the Villa fans for leaving early? I'm, I'm always against the idea of leaving early, but when you're playing like Villa Ware and you're 3-0 down to Man City, I mean, the only reason for saying was probably to watch City and watch the, the entertainment. I mean, it's not a great look when your fans are streaming for the exits after half an hour, is it? But they were they were pretty wretched. I Yeah, I think I, I'd kind of stay to watch the other team, I think. You know, I'd stay. Especially if you a newly promoted side you come up to the Premier League there are certain players who it must be a joy to watch um, and Kevin De Bruyne for instance mm. you know if you toss I know you, you're upset because your team's losing but the idea of watching De Bruyne for a full game is uh, something that you might not get again um, especially given the way they look like they're heading this is a diversion but I once left a game early at half time when I wasn't ill and uh, I would never do it again because it was quite a bad experience in what way? Well, it was Shrewsbury against Marine in the FA Cup in 1996 I think so I was I was older than two I was 12 leaving on your own accord yeah well yeah I mean no I'd have been uh, third round 
first round. I might have just been 13. Right. Minor detail. Old enough to make you your own decision? Or? Yeah, old enough to make my own decisions. I convinced a couple of school friends that we should go. We were playing this non-league team none of us had ever heard of, and we are probably them. We went, and we were 4-0 up at half-time. Um, but I had the onset of a really bad cold and felt pretty terrible. It was a freezing November day, so I decided to leave. Went to the bus station, got the wrong bus home, oh. got back to the bus station. This is in the days before smartphones. Yeah. Eventually got the right bus home, got home about six o'clock, an hour after the final whistle. Put another sign of my age here, put CFAX on. Teletext. To check how it had finished, put Teletext on. And the top headline was Shrew Smash Marine for 11. Oh. So I'd left at 4 0 and it finished 11 2. Wow. 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 So, good, sec- good second half while I was sat feeling ill on the wrong bus. Uh, have you ever so. left a game early, sorry? Um, I mean, I've left a game in injury time. Ooh. When it's, you know, when the game's been over. I've never even done that. I have this, uh, what did you call it? Yeah, I just, I can't, I can't. You can't leave before the final Yeah, whistle. I can't go to the stand during either the half side, but I've got to watch every second of the match. It's not worked. And you support Wrexham, yeah. so right. that's quite not, quite so punishment. You can't even, you know, you don't even head in to get a beer or anything like that. Or if it's, I mean, if it's a team I support, no. If it was a neutral game, perhaps I would. Right. I went to watch Stockport versus York City, and I did just that. Interesting. Dreadful, dreadful game. Uh, Man City. What, yeah. Oh yeah. What was your favourite goal from the weekend? We've had this discussion in the. Um, office and, I haven't had this discussion in the office. You must have been off. Yeah, um, must have been. Yeah, it's <laughs> difficult one to choose, isn't it? To and the Bruyne pass. Just before half time makes that goal brilliant. Aguero's yeah. first goal is just an absolute thwack. Yeah. Keeper should have saved that, probably Do though. It was an absolute thwack. But then, like, the or the goal. keeper should have not got his hands to it and it would have looked even yeah. better. The keeper getting yeah. his hands to it takes yeah. a bit of shine off it. What's your favourite goal? I mean I'm a I'm a De Bruyne fanboy, so Jesus is for me. Yeah, it was a hell of a hell of a cross on it. I think I'll probably stay the same. Or I quite liked Aguero's second. The one where was he just it? Almost he just falls over basically sat, sat down Tyrone Mings and then just <laughs> rolled it into the corner so nonchalantly like you'd kind of do on FIFA really it looked that, I quite like that one yeah not mentioned who's the, who's the better player Aguero or Henri well, yeah well thankfully we've got produ- producer Ash here who's a devout Arsenal fan which is why he's so quiet all the time <laughs> um, he's put the, the note that Aguero overtook Henri in the uh, over the foreign players scoring it's such a one of those niche stats where it's like it's a really impressive stat yeah yeah foreign like, it was like does it um, that he's not bought yeah he's not the mm. top scorer in the prep on Saturday it was like Liverpool are about to set the record for the most points after 23 games yeah but yeah it is a bit clunky but does show that he is uh, one of the best all time ever seen in the in the league it seems odd I guess on Aguero that there's always been the whispers of what's going to happen with his future and stuff um, but even two seasons ago now it was that game against Napoli where he broke the City record scorers um, record record scorers record you're on form today yeah, wow. <laughs> good job you don't work with words mate yeah. good thing I'm not a journalist um, and uh, even when that went in it, it's just the discussion if he's even the number one choice at City anymore but the fact mm. that the longevity it's just, it's absolutely crazy. How how many, I mean, we had the question we put on the socials, how many more do you think Aguero would get? But, I mean, I'm not asking for a precise number, but do you think... 47. Do you think Aguero will ever take Shearer's record as the highest scoring player in Premier League history? No, I don't think he'll stay long enough to, 
to do that. What's he on now? 177. Shearer got 260. Yeah. So that's another 83 goals. So mm-hmm. that's at least three more seasons. He's not going to, I don't think he'll be at City for three more, three and a half more seasons. He's, you know, he, I think it's, it's an open, I say it's an open secret. I think he said it, which makes it not a secret. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wants to finish his career back in Argentina. So, you know, his contract's up at the end of next season. You'd think City would want to get at least another year out of him after that. And it would seem, that would still seem an early then, time for him to go back then, to Argentina. If he did do that and he was 30 goals behind, mm. do you not think he'd be tempted to say one more season? Say, I don't know. I don't think it really, I don't think it really matters to him particularly. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a strange record anyway, because the, the, the Premier League is basically the same as the old first division. Yeah. So what, what is the record? Are we just wiping the record books before 1992? You know, I, it, it's a renamed competition, but it's the same fundamentally it's the same competition isn't it so it's like how a different leading scorer in the Milk Cup and the Carabao Cup is yeah exactly you know he's, he's City's all time leading scorer he's going to increase that record substantially he's left a hell of a legacy in the Premier League he's probably the best one of the best goal scorers the competition's ever seen so I don't think overtaking Shearer's record will mean the be all and end all to him if he's 25 goals short by the end of 2022 say but has set aside time going back to Argentina then I think he'll just Go back to Argentina and your record's safe, big Al. Shearer's record is obscene as well. Yes, like 260 goals. Like Aguero has scored 20, 30 goals every season for like 10 years, eight years probably. Um, and he's still 83 goals off it. Like, makes you how good Alan Shearer is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I guess even particularly my generation growing up, we just know him mainly as a pundit. It's like, mm. oh, he's always got something to say but yeah that's basically 13 seasons of scoring 20 goals yeah and especially yeah, like finish. not necessarily playing in a team anywhere near as good as City yeah. as well and he was he had injuries yeah so, yeah you remember yeah but, sure. what a guy a record the question I was going to ask you both it's kind of a vague one but um, where do you think Aguero ranks now amongst the greatest ever strikers in the Premier League who do you think is above them maybe in, in these ranks uh, you know if you had to pick your, your best ever Premier League team mm. who, who are your strikers I think I think him and Shearer would be would be there yeah I, I think in terms of I think natural goal scorers him and Shearer I think Henri is perhaps a better player or maybe has that little bit of extra magic um, I was going to say quite yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I'm sure he's too young for that um, Renault advert that wasn't it but right up there for Renault adverts. yeah really good <laughs> my mum had a McGann at the time so it really appealed to me <laughs> this podcast is going heavily off topic today um, but yeah I, I could only think Shearer as a a better finisher as a number as a natural old school number yeah. nine him and it's him and Shearer isn't it I would say yeah and despite what others have said he does score big goals no, oh, yeah. And important goals. Mm. Not much injury, Admirers, yet really. Another superb performance from him at the weekend as well. And I know I've, I mention it every week, but I, I always question. I, I mean, Stu says he still thinks Bernard is ahead of him, really, if you to pick your city best 11. But Morris has really given Guardiola such a healthy team selection dilemma, hasn't he? Mm, yeah, he's been really good this season. Really good. Pep was asked after the game what's changed between this season and last season. And. <laughs> basically said he's got a manager that likes him which is why he's playing more this season or his manager's being nice to him which was a sign of Guardiola being in a, a good mood after a game um, yeah, he's, like item. yeah a rarity <laughs> little, a little insight into uh, Pep's press conference demeanour there um, yeah he, he's having a really good season and he looks you know he, he looks really dangerous at the moment playing out wide and it, Bernardo was brilliant on Wednesday Tuesday at Old Trafford and it was a surprise that he wasn't 
in the team, but it just shows how how many options City have got there at the moment. And that's with Sane still to come back as well. And I mean, that might allow Bernardo maybe to go back into his central midfield role that he, he did so well in last season. Because fitting Mares, Sane, and Sterling into two places is difficult enough, especially if you now throw in Jesus as another option out wide. So there's there's some real competition for places up there. But he has he's really taken a big step forward this season, I think. Yeah, yeah. There was um, he started the season really well, and then kind of lost his place a bit. And he was he was giving the ball away in not great areas, and Guardiola got very annoyed with that. Um, but it was interesting. A few weeks ago, Guardiola said he's sort of playing better because the team are playing better, and the team are feeding him, and maybe he was suffering more because. The sort of there was this instability at the back, whereas being able to give him the ball higher up the pitch allows him to do what he did. And I mean, I don't know what he did to Ben Chilwell against Leicester, but he's not been the same since after being terrorised with him. And you think he won the game against Chelsea, did really well against Leicester. He's sort of, even when he's not in his best moments, he still finds a way to get important points for City so he's still been a very important player this season and it looks to be in the best form he's been in so one to watch over the second half of the season Yeah, uh, one player that I know caught your eye as well at the weekend tie Douglas Louise maybe had a yes. prove against Man City as yeah, he said didn't prove it did he yeah, maybe <laughs> had the wrong shirt on for the first 15 minutes I think he might have done yeah. what did you make of Douglas Louise I know because was it that first game of the season he scored a really good goal for Villa did against Bournemouth he did yeah. after um, being responsible for them conceding yeah, yeah. and I remember going to social media and some people saying you know what he's got a chance <laughs> he's got a chance but um, every hour to check made for Douglas Louise yeah I mean he's, he scored some really good goals this season the goals he has scored have been impressive but I'm not sure that's his main job in the team and <laughs> him and I mean him, they just couldn't Village couldn't get the ball him and Danny Drinkwater's inability to pass to another Aston Villa player for pretty much all of the first half was was pretty remarkable I mean Douglas has obviously got something about him Guardiola was a big fan City would probably have kept him if they could have sorted out the work permit issues but yeah he, he didn't have a good game and I was amazed the number of times he just kept giving City possession in Villa's half on uh, Sunday and you could tell that the Villa fans were getting increasingly frustrated by him and Drinkwater as well and that probably didn't didn't help the the atmosphere around there and the atmosphere the players were, were playing in you know he's obviously a good player and he's, he's you know he's well I say, I say he's done well this season I don't really know I've not watched him close enough to make such sweeping judgments but he's still in the team so it's got to be a, a promising sign hasn't it but yeah I don't I don't think he particularly proved a point to City that you know those work permit issues were, were too damaging for them on Sunday yeah, I mean, City have a buyback clause, so they can get him should they want him. But it always felt at the time like Guardiola was making a fuss over the work permit because, you know, he was sulking that he didn't get his way, basically. Louise did all right on the preseason tour in 2018. Not amazing to kind of suggest that he was going to be like this Fernandinho replacement. Always seemed a bit fanciful. And uh, of course... Guardiola was going to make the case to the FA because he wanted an extra body in his team but I don't think he was seen as like you know a player on Rodri's level for instance We have a story main city story this week Ty the uh, Champions League ticket prices have been announced Ty you said that between £35 and £72 for the return leg when uh, when City take on Real Madrid Mm. at the Etihad what do you make? Of that, you know, I mean, City's relationship with the Champions League has always been a bit uh, troubled, shall we say? Yes. But, um, 
the response from City to so you know like the tie could be over by then and £72 up to City it's Real not, Madrid it, it might be the two best sides two of the best sides in Europe but surely it's it's not the right approach no I think it's it's you know it's probably what it is to if they're all, if they're all 35 quid or 35 to 45 in in this day and age for a Champions League knockout tie between two of the best teams in Europe you could probably make a cohesive argument that that's about fair 72 quid I think is is clearly too much but ticket prices generally at every club and down at every level are a complete joke aren't they and, and far too expensive but when you've got when you've got the issues with City fans and the Champions League there and the fact that it's not a competition that the fans have really truly embraced yet there's not been that kind of moment of connection that that Pep seems to think will come when they truly fall in love with the competition. You know, beating Real Madrid in a thrilling second leg might be it, but if there's, you know, if the ground's not sold out because the ticket prices are too high, then that's that's going to be an issue. So yeah, I think it's it's not ideal that the prices are that high. It's funny you were talking about you know convincing a few of your mates in '96 to go to this game. Yeah, like that's kind of where you get new fans from, isn't it? And yeah. You go and you have a really good time, and then you go back again. Yeah. You know, no one is going to be like, oh, do you fancy this for 72 quid? Yeah. Like, it's it's lunacy. And I, the club just keeps shooting themselves in the foot. And do you think- Guardiola, before the game, will be like, oh, we really need the fans. Why don't the fans turn up? Mm. And you're like, well, why don't you ask the people who pay your wages because they're charging extortionate prices? And, you know, I know it's Real Madrid, but like you say, the time might be over by then. Do you think that is a city problem or a modern football problem? The, uh... A bit of both, but I think, you know, uh, when the annual report came out for City, I think um, it was kind of negligible, the increase in revenue from supporters they'd had, which doesn't justify what I think is nine uh, nine rises in season tickets in the last 10 years. Um, and, you know, City put on some training sessions on tour, in, in Asia this summer that were not well attended and other clubs out there in Asia it was a lot better attended and there was a bit of talk that City were charging for their training sessions and other clubs weren't and you know if you try and if you try and squeeze every last penny out of everything um, that's what you're going to see and I think at City at some point will just need to say look we can take have every ticket 35 or 45 yeah. and get a better atmosphere in because fans are not enthusiastic about the Champions League and you're not going to entice people to come and watch Real Madrid for what could be a dead game by getting them to pay what is a lot of money to a lot of people. Yeah, I guess the ticket prices will contribute. But Ty, you mentioned there as well that uh, City fans yet to fall in love with the Champions League. I guess it's because last couple of seasons at least they've been on the other end of the maybe the shock results using mm. the Tottenham and the Liverpool games do you think that's what City need they need to maybe defy the odds themselves for them to be um, for the fans to fall in love with the Champions League I guess last season as a neutral supporting no team in the Champions League it was so refreshing to see Ajax beat Real Madrid yeah. and you had the City Tottenham game and you had the Ajax Tottenham game you had Liverpool and Barcelona and it's those teams coming back from against all the odds and mm. somehow getting through that makes you almost fall back in love with the Champions League but it seems City haven't haven't had that no they haven't had that moment I mean I don't think they'd be defying the odds to beat Real Madrid I think you'd probably make them favourites to beat Real Madrid but if they could you know they need I think what 
Pep is hoping is that they have a magical moment, whether it's to beat Real Madrid 7-6 on aggregate or squad twice in the last 10 minutes at home to Real Madrid to get back or, you know, they get to the final and, and you know, have that moment to embrace the competition at the moment. As much as Pep brings it up in every press conference before every Champions League game about how the atmosphere is not great. If, you know, I don't see how that's going to change at the moment. Perhaps this is the year it does change because by the time... By the time that game comes around, we'll probably know for certain that City aren't going to win the league unless Liverpool start dropping points quickly. It's not going to happen, isn't it? So by then, it might be that the Champions League has become the the priority for City this season. They've got a big second round tie, which they've not had previously, a tie that will really test them early on in the knockout stages, which I think will help. So it, you know, if it becomes clear that this is their their main aim this season then perhaps that'll help the atmosphere and if they can have one of those you know big Champions League moments they thought they had it against Tottenham last year and obviously got taken away which again doesn't help the general perception of, of the Champions League in UEFA so if they can if they can have a real sort of ding dong game against Real Madrid and get through and, and get some momentum going then then maybe this can be the year that attitudes change towards it but I think it's going to take a, a, a run deep into the competition for that to happen yeah, it's all very well saying the fans have to do more, but I mean, Gundogan said after they lost at Tottenham last year, they, the players just play differently in the Champions League. There's something about the competition. They just, something goes in heads and they, you know, they've not got the right mentality. So a big win over, over Real Madrid would change that, but the players really have to sort of change the way they've been going about it. And... Uh, you know, pull together and just play as if they were playing in the Premier League because everyone knows they've got what it takes to beat Real Madrid, um, but they had what it takes to beat, you know, it, it's damning of them that they've been the best team in England for the two last two years and they've gone out to English teams in the Champions League. So they kind of need to do what is expected of them. They need to do what's expected of them this weekend as well. Ty, Crystal Palace, mm. you'd expect another win, but we were saying that last season when they met Crystal Palace as well and that Andros Townsend wonder goal probably still haunts Pep Guardiola sure. a bit. They did win the league in the end then, but to keep the well any any slight chance of a title win again this season, they've got to win this weekend. Palace at home, what what are you thinking going into that game? Well, I mean again it's one they, they should win, and especially at the moment it feels like they've kind of rediscovered a bit of their mojo going forward. They've been back to their best in attack and been very dynamic going forward recently. You would certainly expect a win. You'd expect a, a pretty comfortable win, but then we expected that against Palace last season. I mean, realistically, if they're to have any chance of winning the title, they've got to win every game, haven't they? And Liverpool have got to drop points sooner rather than later. I mean, it was noticeable on Sunday that Pep was actually gone into second. Now, does that change how you're thinking about top spot? And he just said, forget about it. You know, and that was the first time. He said previously, we're not thinking about Liverpool, but I felt that, that was the first time he'd really said, forget about it, it's done. And he, you know, he said we'd like to have challenged Liverpool, but we can't for many reasons. Which is a little bit cryptic, but I think that you know, you're looking now. Liverpool have to drop points in every difficult game for them, and Tottenham away was one of those. And they won. They've got Man United this weekend. You wouldn't expect United. It's a difficult game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they're the only team to take points off them so far. So maybe they need a, a repeat. So, but the, the more they go through games like this, winning, then the the less chance City have got of of pushing them close but realistically to have any chance they've got to win every game between now and the end of the season yes what Ty said yeah. um, I'm, a, I'm a big Roy Hodgson fan so um, it's going to be gonna you're be, the winner no matter what this tough. weekend yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes um, and Palace always give them give them a good game uh, so I think it will be it will be tough 
but you know it's it's like I said they need to to win every game so we'll see whether they are now strong enough where they're in that position that they can win every game or they've still got that odd slip in them where they can uh, mess up unexpectedly it's the first time they've had a lot of time off in the week um they've sort of been complaining for the last months that they've not had any time on the training pitch so they've had a bit of time off um on holiday and now the the back training so it'd be we should see a refreshed city um on Sunday but it, it, on Saturday but it never always works like that of course they've got the uh, two cup competitions as well on the horizon again United again in the Carabao we've got that glamorous FA Cup tie to look forward to as well I know we've already had a discussion in the office about the merits of the FA Cup I'm sure when well, we do the actual FA Cup podcast I'll let you loose on that well there's a um, there is, there's a report um, in the Times today that the Champions League could be expanded mm. Uh, which would see the end of the League Cup. So I, I'd be very unhappy about that. I quite enjoy the League Cup. Carabao better, better than Champions than, yeah, League. Than, yeah. yeah. The Carabao's better than I the Champions League. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, some of the talks are about like expanding the group stage. You think the group stage is dead enough without yeah. having even more? Dead team. It doesn't need <laughs> it doesn't need expanding. There shouldn't be. We don't need four. If anything, it should be made smaller, shouldn't it? Because I remember the Champions League growing up used to I think it worked. I think it works well. As long as, as they don't get a double group stage. Yeah. yeah. That was I don't see why it needs changing. That's what that's what that's another idea. Awesome. Having like a group in the quarterfinal why rather can't than things just stay the same. <laughs> why do they always have to change it? I don't know. Life mate. Because change and adapt. Talks, that's why. Yeah. Um but yeah, so, you know, I'm happy to have that FA Cup rant now, but I'm happy to save it as well. But League well, Cup, League Cup forever. That's my view. Viva la Carabao. Viva the Carabao. We'll all be drinking that come 1st of March when City... We should no, we should be in the final, but should strange things have happened. Ty and mm. Sai, thank you very much for joining us on the Talking City podcast sure. this week. We will be back again next week to reflect on that... Uh, whatever happens against Crystal Palace this weekend. <laughs> Oh God, you've confused me here. And as we said, there's an FA Cup rant just around the corner as well. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we will see you again next time.